good to be with you guys. Uh, like Paula said, it's, uh, it's hard to believe so much has changed in such a short period of time. Would you guys do me a favor? Why don't you grab your Bibles, if you have them, and go with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually look at when God shakes the nations, how are we to understand it? And it's kind of interesting, about three weeks ago now, I was finishing my last trip up in Minnesota, and um, I was, this was just starting to come into the news, and we started seeing the restrictions come, and I was teaching on, on the prophetic ministry, and I had a word come in my heart where um, I really felt the presence of the Lord say that we're in a Kairos moment. And I just kind of declare that, hey guys, pay attention right now, we're in a Kairos moment. And after I got done that, the students asked me, well, what does that mean? And I realized that um, not only does this need to be teached on periodically, but most people not, not only not know what a Kairos moment is, they don't know how to respond to the Lord in a Kairos moment. And so what I want to do is I want to take some time and begin to lay a foundation for it. And the idea of it is this, this passage that we actually see in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 15. And we're going to look at it together. And I wish in some way I could actually just put it on the screen, but we're not at that place yet. We'll figure it out as we do it month after month. And so it says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, what is interesting um, about that statement, I don't know if you guys ever, when you read the gospels, you see Jesus, and what we have is what we would think would be an introduction to the story. But this is interesting, in this passage right here, Jesus is coming, and, and think about this, he comes into a city and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And, um, and then he begins to preach the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons, raise people from the dead. And for years, I had no concept of what that actually meant. But just to interject, back in the time of that time in human history when Jesus was alive, Roman generals would walk to the crest of a city and announce, this kingdom is going to take over. And then they would go into the city that they were going to invade, and they would take it over. And so isn't this interesting? Here Jesus in human history is coming to humanity and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. It was an announcement that generals used to make when they said, I'm coming to take over. And that's what Jesus was actually doing. He was announcing this to humanity, and he was also announcing it to the kingdom of darkness that it was the time for God to be moving. Now, Let's take this word time and, and just explore it for a minute. It's kind of interesting. There's two Greek words for the word time. The first one is chronos, and that's, you know, if you can see on the screen, we have the beginning of time, and then we have an end of time, and it's kind of linear. Well, that's not the Greek word that's being used here. There's another Greek word for the word time, and it's the word kairos. And kairos is really kind of different because on this line of human history, there are events that happen to you and I, and every one of those events are what the Bible would call kairos moments. Now, why are they so frequent? Why are there these two dimension of times? Because there's us progressing through time until we stand before the Lord, but there are events that we are going through that have an impact on us 
They have the kingdom a part of it, and God wants us to learn to respond to that. And so this makes sense why Jesus is announcing time first before he presents the reality of the gospel. And that's what our job is to do, is to recognize the time that we're in. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, recognizing the time we're in. We're in a Kairos moment. Now, what are, what are Kairos moments? Well, they're both positive and negative. And what I mean by that is you go from one event to another, and the idea isn't, well, that's a Kairos moment. It's recognizing what's going on in that, that moment. So a vacation can be a Kairos moment, or a tragedy could be a Kairos moment. Interesting enough, most people individually go through Kairos moments of through life, but they and sometimes a community comes into an event where they have to face a Kairos moment. But this is really kind of interesting. The whole world right now is in a Kairos moment. Um, you know, we've had viruses and flus throughout the generations, but for some odd reason, all the nations have responded in a unique way where they've, in a sense, caused us all to just stop. And I believe the Lord is going to use that to begin to actually awaken people. Now, you know, I'm sitting here watching the people that are helping me do this. I'm looking at Carla, looking at uh, Carla, <laughs> looking at Paula, looking at her notes and stuff. And it's interesting, I'd, uh, I hadn't had a chance to talk with her about this, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been following like news feeds and um, Twitter accounts of different ministers. And um, Lee Strobel's has actually been saying over the last several weeks in his streaming ministry that they've been doing from their church that over a thousand people have come to the Lord in the last couple of weeks. And there's a um, whole ministerial group up in Colorado I just spoke with last Wednesday, and I was talking with a pastor in Minnesota about this, that this group, through their streaming and their video, and I want to make sure I say the number right, that over 20,000 people have come to the Lord in the Denver area over the last couple weeks. That's not 2,000, that's 20,000 people. So you can tell that God is saying we're in a Kairos moment. Now, in the kingdom, we get affected by the Lord in a unique way, but for the society, it's an awakening. They're actually having to deal with eternal realities because we have an onslaught of death and discouragement and destruction. And what it's doing is it's shaking the kingdoms. Now, remember, God's kingdom is unshakable. The kingdom of men gets shaken. The reason why God allows the kingdom of men to get shaken is so that they'll reach for something that is unshakable so that they can have wholeness and stability from an eternal realm, not trying to hold on to temporal things that come to nothing. And, that, and that's the purpose of these kind of shakings is God is trying to awaken us to recognize that. So, here, if you know the Lord, you're saying, well, why do we have to go through the shaking? Well, there's a purpose for us also in this from the Lord. And so we want to begin to recognize it. So let's, let's go ahead and look at it. So how do you recognize a Kairos moment? How do you recognize it yourself? Now, a lot of people, what they do is they say, well, because there's so much fear or look at all the stress on everybody, that's a Kairos moment. No, actually, it's kind of interesting. It's your emotions that are actually the trigger to show you you're in a Kairos moment. And so, you know, this is a simple question. 
how are you feeling right now as you're going through this time? You need to observe your emotions, your thoughts, your attitudes through this, and you need to take a moment to reflect, what am I actually experiencing? And anything that has to do with anxiety or fear, the Lord is trying to draw you in to have a conversation with you on while you're feeling that way if you're a part of an unshakable kingdom. All right, so let's keep moving forward. So what are the purpose of a Kairos moment? Why are we in this? Now, as I said, the culture is being shaken so that they'll see that they're not part of an eternal kingdom, but a temporal one. But for the believers, what do we recognize? This is ordained by the Lord to cause us to grow for the next season. Uh, I heard someone say a while back, and I actually think it's kind of fascinating. We have been, for believers, we have been intentionally, by the nations, put into a Sabbath rest. Whether we want to be in one or not, we have been put into a Sabbath rest. And so we have to ask a question. Well, we're walking through this with everybody, but we know the Lord. Why does he want to bring us into a place of reflecting before him? And I believe it's intentional. So I don't know what you guys did the first few weeks. I found that I just watched a lot of TV, watched a lot of news. And then I had the Lord start getting my attention this isn't the reason for this rest. This is a reason for you and I to connect with each other. And I want to enter you into something that's coming into the future by you resting with me and letting me begin to work on you. And so what are, what are Kairos events for? They're an opportunity to grow deep in the Lord and then become more effective to advance the kingdom of God. So what we're going to do now is... We're going to use my hands as kind of a white screen. If I had a marker, I'd draw on a white screen right now and draw a circle for you and say Kairos moments are like a circle. And so we're going to enter into the circle of learning. What does God want us to learn through a Kairos moment? Now, look, let's look back at the passage. It actually says this. The time is fulfilled. The Kairos is being fulfilled right now. The kingdom of God is at hand or it is available to you and I. And that means Jesus is making himself available to us. And then it says, repent and believe the good news. And so in this circle, if I cut it in half, the first process that you and I are entering into is what is called repentance. Now, it's kind of interesting. If you look at the word repentance, there's actually two Greek words that go for the word repentance. Uh, the first Greek word actually has to do with metanoia, and it actually means not to change your mind, that's usually the definition everybody gives, but it actually means to turn the light on. And so when we're in a season of hardship or God has brought us into a Kairos moment, he's turning on the light. And when we say he's turning on the light, we're not saying, wow, look at the stuff's going on around it. It means he's turned on his presence so that we can recognize him, begin to have his grace and his glory begin to invade our thoughts and our minds so that we can now step into the second part of repentance, which is changing ourselves. How do I change in the middle of this? And so what we want to talk about in the idea of the circle of repentance is three, a three-step process. So the first one we already discussed, we want to learn to observe what is going on internally. 
How is everyone reacting? What's my response to it? How am I thinking as I'm going through this process? Uh, a lot of people, as I've been talking with them through this, they're now describing the fact that they're having a different dialogue with the Lord than they've had in any other season because of what's being faced in front of them. It is intentional to begin to change the way you and I think about the world we live in. I don't know how the rest of you look at this, but I'm telling you, things are going to be different after we get through this. This is not, it's not going to be the same after this. We have entered into a change in the nations, and God is doing something. The next thing is, is we have to learn how to reflect. So when we say reflect, we're, we're not, it's kind of the idea of observing, what am I feeling? But it takes it to the next step is, in this, what am I reflecting on in the sense? I need to ask myself a question. How do I feel as I'm going through this? Are my emotions coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Um, if you guys have ever thought about, think about the passage. Let's reflect back a moment. He said, the time is now the kingdom of God is at hand. That actually means that as I take time to reflect on what is going on with me, I get an opportunity to take every area of my life and present it back to Jesus so that his lordship can come over it. Any area that is not submitted to him, I will find that I will be fearful in that arena. I will be stressed out in that arena. I will find myself trying to carry a burden that God has not called me to carry. And this is a great time to turn it over to him and say, you be lord of this. You're the one that provides for me. You're the one that sustains me. You're the one that heals me. In this season, while I'm being shaken and I feel it, I'm going to turn to your lordship and receive rest from you in this season. The third step of repentance is learning to discuss it. And so, isn't this interesting? The body of Christ, you and I have been wired for community and right now, everyone's being cut off from community, and so now we're entering into Zoom so that we can still enter into discussing things. We have to begin to be people that bear the burdens of one another and care for each other during this time. I don't know how your world's going, but I'm staying more in touch with people. I thought I was busy before. I'm staying more in touch with people now than I have at any other season just to feel their heart and how they're doing during this time. And we need to make sure we're sharing our burdens with one another, not only with the Lord, but with each other. And that's why we need to be still connecting and still doing this. Now think about this. God has wired us this way. Could you imagine what it'd be like if someone doesn't know Jesus, they don't have these values, and they're facing what's going on in the culture, and they're trying to find answers and hear the Lord has given us this community, and he wants us to live this community as everybody's kind of in chaos. Um, I'm finding that as I'm going to the grocery store, which is the only thing that's open anymore here in Kansas City, I'm intentionally engaging people. I went to Target today, and we visited with them and just watched how they were processing and trying to bring them into rest as we were connecting with them. All right, now that's the first part of the circle. That's the repentance part. And what's interesting is a lot of people believe that during this time, Jesus is wanting us to repent, and so they repent of everything, and then they kind of get stuck there, but God isn't calling us to get stuck there. He wants us to do the second part of the circle, which is repent, and then he wants him to believe him for something. Now, I, I, isn't that interesting? So think about that. Every opportunity of the learning circle is so that I'll grow at the end of it in faith, hope, and love. 
And so I'm going through this, you're going through this, and God is coming to us and saying, I want you to grow to trust me more. Now, could you imagine you and I going through this and having our heart colder as we come through it or more upset about the situation in life? God is wanting to make you like his son, and he didn't. I don't believe he brought this about, but I believe he's going to use it to form us to be like his son and just to have faith and trust as we go through this. So let's talk about the three parts of believing God. First part is this idea of planning with the Lord, dreaming with God. And so as I'm talking about the things that God's working on, I need to begin to look forward into the future and draw from heaven what are his promises, what is his plans, and as I'm submitting areas of my life before him, I'm actually bringing those before him and saying, now what do you think about this, Lord? What do you want me to do with this situation? So see how this Sabbath rest is actually going to benefit you because you now have an opportunity, you're being forced to do this right now, to actually have time to look over your life and say, here it is, Lord, what do you want to do with this? And so you learn to dream again with God. And if you've not been taught to do that, uh, hopefully we'll cover that in the future on how to dream. But it's the idea of praying and kind of looking into heaven and saying, Jesus, what are the plans and the promises you have for me? And then bringing them into your life and begin to accept those things. And so the second part of planning with the Lord is learning to bring into account what we believe God is showing you. It's kind of fascinating in our household right now. Over the last three weeks, the Lord has been waking up my wife every morning and talking to her about what he's doing in the nations and how she's supposed to be praying for all of it. I mean, it's a, it's a really incredible time. It's like every morning we wake up and I'm like, what has the Lord been telling you this morning? And she just, well, last three hours I've been praying for this and I've been praying for that. And so we're learning how to keep each other accountable and present, here's what Jesus is showing us. And there's a reason why we're doing a certain form of account it isn't so that we can be hard on each other. It's so that we can hear the plans that God is putting on us and become burden bearers with each other with this and say, now, this is what God is showing me. How does that resonate with you? How, how do you understand what God is connecting with me about? Remember, God doesn't just speak into a vacuum to people. He speaks into a family and he speaks into a community. The last part of it is this. As we've gone through repentance, we've learned how to plan and give an account, we have to begin to act on things. And so that actually means the way I think about things or the things that I put into place. It's kind of interesting in my house, there have been several things that we've needed to do um, in training and equipping. And I even get with my son for one hour a day and we plan things about our future that we're going to be doing with the Lord. Now, there's two ways that you can look at this. You can sit around and worry, am I going to get the, the, get the virus? Or you can look at, am I going to plan for my future? I think the second one, especially with the Lord in the middle, is probably the more prosperous way for you and I to go. And I believe that's, that's what he's doing with us in this, this season. All right. Let's keep moving on here. So what is God looking for in our lives? He's trying to get us to ask some very specific questions. So what are the questions God is trying to ask us during this season? If you want to write this down, I'd encourage you to do it. But they really kind of, they kind of lay down in kind of a, a unique way as we look at repentance and believing. First one is this, what is God actually saying to me in this time? And if you're not having that conversation, I'd encourage you to begin to do that now. God, 
what are you saying to me in my life right now? Number two, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to bend towards grace and begin to access it to do the thing that God has called me to? And what does action actually look like in my life as I put these things into practice? Like uh, taking a moment and beginning to recognize I actually need to write out the things that God has for me. I believe that God is strategically giving believers creativity, wisdom. If we'll move away from the fear and just begin to listen to the Lord, we're going to get some things from him that we weren't even expecting. I believe we're in that time in human history. 